0: Hey there everybody, welcome to Narrative Live. It's been a while since we've done a fully live show. It's good to be with you tonight. Uh, Although quite honestly, I had chills watching today's so-called COVID presidential briefing, because what we got, in my mind, was sounded so authoritarian. It sounded, you know, the president up there lecturing everyone about what you must do based on my guidelines, like stay home and do all these other things. And then the vice president equally sounding uh, you know, lauding the president and mentioning his name so many times, I thought I was in North Korea. I thought we were listening to dear leader conversations from the president and the vice president. And so it worries me enormously that we are at this stage because I've been warning about this president for four years now. I said back then he was a clear and present danger to the Republic, and he is a clear and present danger to the Republic. And it's not like this threat is now far off our shores this sh- threat is now here it is on the home front we are fighting a battle with covid19 sure it may be a naturally occurring thing but the uh, it, and i'm not saying it isn't it quite literally could be a naturally occurring thing but there's also a huge possibility What we're looking at is some sort of bio-warfare, that there is something going on that uh, just strategically is designed to upend the United States, weaken the United States and strengthen China. And that is, of course, what we've been seeing over the last few years. We've been able to say over the last few years that, you know, Russia was involved in this, that the Saudis were involved in it, that the UAE was involved in it, parts of Israel were involved in it. Maybe Bibi Netanyahu's uh, leadership has led Israel astray as well. But we haven't been able to say as clearly as we can today that it appears that china has been involved in this all along too now i'm going to be careful with what i say i'm going to push the boundaries today because i think it's necessary for someone to say these things but i have no complete proof that china is involved i have a deep suspicion i think when you look at two benefits from all of this it's china I think when you look at the way this all has played out with Xi and and Trump with their close relationship, but also their cover up, which I will explore today too, it's easy to see how they might be working together. And maybe it wasn't them who sent the virus out in the first place. Maybe that is naturally occurring, but their reaction seems to have been very much in tandem with each other, designed to help each other completely and totally. And that is why tonight there is no mistake as to why I'm calling this show Red Dawn. Um, It was the topic of that email thread between many of the uh, White House officials about their concerns around COVID-19, and it makes you wonder why. Because what is the red dawn on America, if not the leadership of a communist regime from China? This week, New York City passed a very grim milestone, 110,000 confirmed deaths, probably higher by now. I can't even look at those numbers anymore. 10,000 deaths can can imagine that. Now, this is all happening in New York City, a country that should be the leader in the world in terms of healthcare, in terms of fighting pandemics, in terms of almost everything. Now, it is one of the leaders of the world because it ranks number seventh in the world for deaths because of COVID-19. Not America, not New York State, New York City is number seven. If it were a country, it would be number seven at least. It's hard to believe that a month ago, there were no deaths, no cases in New York City, or maybe just a few at that time. Uh, We have seen a progression of this disease, which is quite astonishing, a 10% mortality rate. 10% mortality rate? That's the kind of thing that you'd expect in a place with no healthcare. Not the kind of thing you'd expect, you know, in America, in the capital of America's health system, I'd say. You know, it's distressing to say the least, and partly because I, I believe I contracted coronavirus la- that same week, but maybe the 6th of March when I was there. I was the sickest I've ever been. I'd been working there for a few months, reestablishing myself there when I got so sick, went to the hospital, went to the ER. They tested me, told me that I didn't have the flu because they tested for that. They told me I may have a viral infection, but they couldn't test for coronavirus. They sent me home. They said, rest for a couple of days. A couple of days literally have some Tylenol and call us if you have any problems Um, of course I did have severe problems it was a week of torture for me Um, and I finally got healthier after a week of self-isolation because I just thought that was the safer thing to do and also party it was very hard to get around Um, you know some good friends were able to drop by and help me with some nourishment but other than that I thought it was time for me to get out of uh, out of New York because I felt what was coming Now, my worst fears have sort of been realized, seeing these numbers now, seeing these 10,000 deaths, this 10 percent rate. That is the kind of thing we all shudder at and we're all desperately sad about for our friends, for our families, for their families and for the city that we all love, ultimately. Um, And why we are now seeing this particular city be victimized uh, specifically, as I'll point out tonight, is, is really depressing. So I'm better now, I'm in Toronto, everything is great from from a health perspective, but I am incredibly concerned about what is happening in the United States. So I am volunteering to raise the alarm that this is no ordinary day in America. This is no ordinary day in a pandemic in America. This is a day where we have to be concerned about our democracy and about our rights and about our freedoms and what that means in the context of this new way of leadership that they have because they have this crisis they can tell us how many people we can gather with, where we can gather, that we might die if we gather with too many people or with the wrong people. Just think about where that takes us in a political sphere with elections just a few months away. So this is Red Dog. Sometime in late February, a 39-year-old Manhattan healthcare worker boarded a plane in Iran with her husband. She was heading home to New York City despite exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19. At the time, Iran was in the grips of a very deadly coronavirus outbreak, 987 cases and a death rate approaching 10%. That's compared to 88 and no deaths in the United States. At the time, a very different Andrew Cuomo tweeted, there's no reason for undue anxiety. Of course that was optimistic. On her arrival home the woman tested positive. The city had its first COVID-19 patient. She was ordered to quarantine. Who was this woman who claimed to be, who they claim was patient zero uh, in New York City? We do not know if she was the first Person with COVID 19 in New York. She was the first person to test positive uh, in New York, and that's because she was tested at the state run laboratory. Now, if you remember, there was a period of time where the mayor was on TV all the time begging Donald Trump and the federal authorities to let them start testing locally because they needed the local testing to get beyond the crisis that they saw coming. And so this woman who came in from Iran, this 39 year old health worker, she was the first person to be tested at that facility. And she was the first person to be found positive at that, at that facility. Now, what isn't really known, and I was kind of shocked to discover through the New York Times the other day, is that 32 other samples had been sent to the federal labs for testing from New York City. 32 in total. How many do you think came back negative? 32 came back negative. Now we know actually that she wasn't the first person in New York to have COVID-19 because there are many sites out there one of them is called Next Strain if you want to go and play around yourself you can see the evolution of the disease in each location and it certainly appears like COVID-19 actually preceded this first um tested person from Iran, that there were at least the uh, evidence of COVID-19 existing in New York for weeks in advance, maybe since early January. Yet all 32 tests from the city of New York that went to the federal authorities came back negative. That's probably not an accurate test that they were providing in, in the federal labs. Maybe they weren't even testing at all. It's you know, maybe worth testing. And I you know I don't have the capability of doing this, But if there are reporters in in New York or others who are willing to check this out, you know, last week i I spoke with a lot of uh, certainty around what I believed was a nineteen day period of time that Donald Trump was more focused on making deals around the virus than he was about saving people from deaths. That has since been verified by uh, reports in in various newspapers. The Washington Post and New York Times have all backed up that reporting. This week, I'm suggesting that the cover-up might be a lot longer than that, and it might include the fact that we were not ever given accurate information about who and what was testing positive because of the federal labs, because they were conducting all the tests, and because local authorities, like uh, Mayor de Blasio's authority, were not allowed to do any of their local testing until so late in the game. You know, this woman arrived on February the 29th. Think about how late in the game that is for uh, a, a, a municipality like like New York to be stepping into this. We must go back and look at those test results and we must retest them. We must investigate whether there was a cover-up, a very serious cover-up because there certainly was a cover-up on the national stage when he was telling everyone this would disappear in in a couple of days and that it was no serious, not serious at all, that it was all under control. And it reminds me that there was also another cover-up, That is very, very similar. You know, take a look at this. Xi is accused and is verifiably accused of covering up what was happening in Wuhan for 60 days. Trump, I've said, covered up things for 19 days, but it might appear that he covered it up for longer. Did they both allow the disease to take hold for theater in, in, at least in China and for control? in the United States? I mean, what other earthly reason is there for allowing this thing to take hold in a country like ours? Why would you do something like that? Chinese authorities knew of a case of an infected 55-year-old from Hubei province on November 17. That's six and a half weeks before Chinese Communist Party leaders alerted the World Health Organization. During that time, hundreds were infected. Before 20th of January, um, I mean, there was like cover up, of course. From the uh, information we saw like in 2019, I mean, there were already like over 200 cases. The infamous lockdown of Wuhan then came much too late. The horse had already bolted. The virus surely would have spread beyond the city of 11 million and likely beyond China's borders. From uh, my research, there was actually five million people in the Wuhan area where the center of the outbreak was that had left in the two weeks before the lockdown there. So if you think about those five million people, they have gone all around the world and they have just spread the All around the world, they could spread the illness. Now he's talking about 5 million people that were uh, in a position t- to travel. A study down uh, out of Beijing, the Peking University, which still exists under that, under that name, uh, conducted a study of 103 COVID-19 genomes. They were looking to understand exactly how uh, this virus was developing. And you might remember the story because it was big news that they had discovered a second strain of the COVID-19 virus. SARS apparently originated in a bat before jumping onto one of the world's only mammal species which has scales, the pangolin anteater. And from there it was on humans. Researchers at the University of Peking studied 103 samples of COVID-19 patients from around the world. They came to a surprising conclusion. There are two different strains of COVID-19, an S and an L-type. The S is a traditional virus like the SARS virus, and the L seems to be a variant of the S type. Researchers described the L as being more aggressive and originally dominant, and the S as being less aggressive and evolutionary older. So there were 103, about 100, that landed up being passed into these tests. Of the 27 genomes from Wuhan, 96 were L types. Almost completely all of them were L-types so this is all all the samples out of Wuhan came before January 7th the cover-up continued until January 20th so all these samples were from deep inside his cover-up in China there was only about 58 percent of the overall sample size was the L-type they looked at the foreign samples they were able to see that 72 percent of those foreign samples were the L-type how is it possible that in Wuhan where there is so much death and destruction, the worst outbreak in the world at that time, 96% of them are L. Meanwhile, in the rest of China, where we know there was less of an outbreak, much less, 58% were L-types, and probably that's a misrepresentation too. Yet somehow for the rest of the world, they get 72% L-types. But I can tell you for 100% sure, if you believe these, these researchers, that it is here in the United States of America. She's a 63-year-old woman. She came in from Wuhan. This can be verified through the CDC reporting. And she arrived in Chicago, where we know it was later an outbreak. She went into quarantine, so we're not sure that the outbreak came from her. But the researchers seem to think that she was carrying both the S and the L virus together what we've seen and what we've been told about what happened in Wuhan is obviously not the truth. Maybe it came from that wet market. Maybe it didn't. We've now heard the Chinese and and the Trump administration, you know, sending allegations against each other. There was one person's fault or the other country's fault that there was a, a lab that was testing all of this and that somehow it escaped. Maybe that's true. But maybe also this is part of what biowarfare looks like when you're trying to overrun a country the, this is the the top 10 countries by a mortality rate. Now, the mortality rate is the number of cases divided by the number of deaths. So maybe it's the other way around, but you know what I mean. You get to 10% uh, in, in New York City. Um, in the United States right now, I think the mortality rate, looks like it's a uh, four point something in the, on this particular chart. It, this is the top 10. Take out China, because let's say they have a, a different story and I'll get to them in a second. Let's take out Iran. Iran is sort of an odd country there because Iran was obviously cozying up to Obama and is on Trump's enemy list. But look at the rest of that. Look at all those other countries. They're all NATO countries. Now what's the likelihood that all and only NATO countries and other enemies of, of Donald Trump are the ones that are hit so hard? I don't think that's very likely. They're also all very liberal democracies. So if you're trying to establish a dictatorial regime around the world that uh, democracies are are, uh, terrified of, well, that's one way to do that. It's also a very unfair chart, though, because what we're looking at is something that's based on test cases. At the end of the day, we only know the number of confirmed cases if there's a lot of testing going on. And there's clearly more testing going on in these European countries and in parts of America like New York. It is 115 people per 100,000 people in New York City have passed away. Um, How does that look when you compare it to all these other countries? Well, it's by far the most deaths in the world. It's the same as Italy, France, and Spain combined. Um, It's more than a hundred times the amount of deaths per capita in, in China. And I maybe it's not fair to put New York as a separate country and compare it to all these things, but the, the facts are the facts, and one hundred and fifteen is what you come to. Some people have called the last two weeks. They said, "You know, prepare for your Pearl Harbor. This is going to be your nine eleven moment for this generation." And and it's it's nothing like Pearl Harbor or nine eleven because the numbers are so much greater, and it's nothing like Pearl Harbor or nine eleven because we don't have anything to fight back with. You know, in both those cases, our air force, our military, everyone was functioning. We had a leader who was going to defend us against something. And in this case, he wasn't present. He was missing. He didn't do the things he should have done to protect America from the onslaught that was coming. He chose not to do it. And for the last four years, you know, as I've been writing and sitting here in podcasts talking about what happened to us in 2016. At first, it was clear to me it was the Russians. Then we discovered, well, maybe it's Saudi Arabia, maybe it's UAE, maybe even some of the Israeli leadership were part of this. Then we discovered, well, it's also the Americans, some Americans at least, who have decided to, to join forces with these foreigners to take down our system. And, and in fact, that turned out to be unfortunately true. It seems that part of our country has taken a very, very bad For them and for us, Faustian bargain. They'll get billions of dollars, you know, they'll get billions of dollars of deals from China. It's interesting that the farmland, the heartland, is the part of the country that isn't affected by this virus because guess what, America? That's what China wants. China has a real problem. It doesn't have a lot of arable land. It has a lot of people it needs to feed. And America has a lot of arable land. And they're thinking, well, here's the, here's the farmers, here are the people who are going to feed China. And they're not incorrect. They will probably will do that. That's why Trump is so boastful about the $250 billion in food orders that are coming. Correct. Correct, you're now producing food for China. That is the new work for the American people from Donald Trump. You know, he's promised them aluminum deals from Russia, dollars for food from China. He plies him with liquor and lies at his regular rallies. He insults our intelligence on television all the time. Every night he comes on and he tells us things that are blatant lies. He throws distractions in the air so we can all run around and say, oh, let's talk about whether he's going to do testing and is it the governor's responsibility or is it not the governor's responsibility? And what does the constitution say about all of that when none of it really matters. This guy's in charge and he's going to do things the way he wants to do it and if we don't like it china's got his back russia's got his back and that is sort of where the the lay of the land is in my opinion And it's just an opinion i don't know i haven't got any of the you know the 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 smoking guns that you might want me to have tonight because i just have gotten tired of looking when i know in my heart what my instinct says is that we will you know, in a few months in a years, who knows? maybe we'll never find out, but eventually we should find out that they were all in it together. that G, Putin, MBS, MBZ, BB, Erdogan they're all in it together, because it's a great idea. It's a great idea to start a global pandemic. It's a great idea to do that, just so you could become the number one superpower in the world. And it's a fantastic idea to kill thousands and thousands of people so you can start a new pharma sector. You can start producing vaccines and you can start producing testing. So you can be more powerful and even more wealthier because this is what's basically going on in our world. And I know you're gonna say, well, you can't prove that, can't prove that. I I can sort of prove it. I, I don't have the documents, I don't have the recordings, but in everyone's gut, in everyone's instincts, we sort of see what's happening I've shown you today how there was a cover-up in Wuhan and a cover-up by Donald Trump in New York. Why would those two leaders have such a cover-up? Why would they both cover up each other? Does that make any sense to anybody? I didn't report it yet, but I will report it soon. The Chinese were running around the world in January um, stockpiling all the world's PE, all the protective gear that they could get their hands on. They were stockpiling and buying it everywhere. For what reason? They knew this was potentially a pandemic that was going to hit the world. Why do they have to, to take all the world's supply so we could all be short of it today? None of these things add up to me. When you look at those numbers and you look at the countries that were hit and you look at why only NATO countries suffered the most, doesn't it tell you something about who's responsible for all of this? It does tell me. There's no ways it's a NATO country that's doing any of that. I mean, who else is there in the world who would do something like that? Nobody else. The Russians, the Chinese. Those are those are the answers you come up with. So when you look at those numbers, and when you look at the study out of the Peking University, which revealed that in Wuhan there was some sort of some sort of virus, an S-type and an L-type, an L-type in particular, there was 96% of the people in Wuhan who got sick with COVID-19. Guess what? They were sickened by that virus that we don't know very much about but we know it arrived on our shores on january 21st and it has become part of our COVID 19 story thanks for watching narrative live you can always please because i'm you know this is all the support i get these days is uh support me at patreon.com forward slash narrative